welcome to the Fierce Hearts Club podcast. I'm Rian. And I'm Ruth. So in today's episode, Ruth and I are joined by Zoe Blasky, who is the creator of Motherkind, which is a self-empowerment platform for modern mums. Zoe has a podcast called Motherkind, and she's also a coach. And today she talks to us about her new project, The Family Reset Plan, which helps parents who are overwhelmed by family stresses to reset. And Zoe also tells us a story of her recovery journey from her early 20s to the present day, the impact that motherhood had on her, particularly her kind of emotional and spiritual journey and how that eventually led her to creating Motherkind, which is all about empowering women to become more alive and more joyful. I hope you enjoy it. Oh, and don't forget, we've got the first Fierce Hearts Club online event on Wednesday, the 16th of September at 8pm with Hilary McBride. She's going to be talking about body image. Her talk is, Dear Body, I'm Sorry, Can We Be Friends? And you can see all the details as to how to get tickets on the Fierce Hearts Club website, fierceheartsclub.com. We hope to see you there. Zoe, welcome to the Fierce Hearts Club podcast. It's so, so lovely to have you. Yeah, it's great to have you. Thanks, Zoe. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Ruth and I know Zoe. I've done some coaching with Zoe and Ruth has done some coaching with Zoe as well. So we know all about you, but Zoe, do you want to introduce yourself to our listeners and tell us a little bit about who you are? I'm Zoe Blasky. I run a business called Motherkind, which is a podcast and we do lots of online courses and I do some one-to-one coaching as you two have experienced and I love doing talks. That's probably my favourite thing to do is talks and workshops. And I'm sometimes asked to contribute to the media about motherhood. But really, I want to kind of change the narrative around motherhood. I think that the kind of narrative is, is that we become a mother and then we stop working on ourselves, stop focusing on ourselves and martyr ourselves to our children. You know, said like that, it sounds like, well, how is that the narrative? But actually, when we think about how prevalent mum guilt is when we think about how prevalent the kind of drinking mummy culture is when we think about how challenge it is for women to get back into work you know that absolutely is the culture that we live in and so motherkind is a is a self-development platform really for parents particularly mothers because that's where i see most of the martyrdom going on so that's that's the mission of motherkind is mm. to see motherhood as an invitation for growth rather than an invitation for losing ourselves and then waking up when we're 60 which I see a lot um, in that kind of older generation and looking back and thinking god I just gave myself to my family all those years where was I tell us a little bit about the family reset plan that you've been working on through lockdown I could really see how hard it was for parents Mm. a lot of parents telling me that you know they they felt like they were so stressed they were snapping at their kids they were trying to work or their partner suddenly was at home or they didn't have a partner or they were trying to co-parent through through lockdown and just how stressful it was so I kind of came up with this idea of a really accessible workshop and I was really lucky because I applied for some funding from the government I did a national survey and asked 2,000 parents you know what what they were struggling with the most 
And I heard two things loud and clear. One was their own stress and overwhelm and needing some new tools to handle kind of living in this uncertainty. And the other thing was how to support children. You know, children are really struggling right now. You know, calls to Childline have doubled during lockdown. You know, my own, that survey that I told you about a minute ago, that showed that 90% of parents are really worried about their children's emotional health and how they're going to cope with the change. So I brought on a brilliant child psychologist. She teaches in the reset plan how to help your children with their big feelings around what's going on really based in neuroscience like there are specific things that you can do to support your children like it's kind of a formula and it also teaches how to help your children with disappointments you know and change and transition as they go back to school or don't go back to school or can see their friends can't see their friends can go on holiday can't go on holiday again there's like a formula actually and the last module is me kind of coaching on how to think about what we've been through and what changes you might want to make to life going forward. Because I kept hearing parents say to me, actually, you know, I've really enjoyed the slowing down element of this. I've really enjoyed not having to say no to things because there's nothing to say no to. And in a way, it kind of gave us the boundaries that we so crave. So, yeah, the last module is me kind of saying, what can you learn about yourself and life? from this experience and how when life goes back to whatever the normal looks like how can you take those lessons and apply them going forward so yeah so that's the reset plan I'm super proud of it it's only 25 pounds because I wanted it I wanted everyone to do it basically we want 10,000 families to do the plan if anyone works in the NHS they can get it totally free and we've got loads available to give away for people for whom 25 pounds is too much of a stretch right now because there's been so much financial difficulty through this time Great. So Zoe, do you want to tell us, well, tell us your story. Ruth and I don't know what you're going to talk about, so we're eager to hear it. Um, But yeah, do you want to tell us your story? The way that I work is I don't kind of prep for things like this because I've learned that when I over-prepare, it's actually about control. And when I'm in control, you can't be in control and flow at the same time. So I prefer to show up in flow, which means that I don't prepare. So I kind of just see in the moment where I'm going to (laughs) go. So what I think I'll do is I'm going to tell one story, but I'm actually probably going to tell another. um, (laughs) How how the journey of kind of mother kind and um, I'll intersect a bit about my own kind of broader history around that so right I um come from a very loving family like my mum and my dad loved us immensely my brother and I and they stayed together for 28 years and mum didn't work and so on paper I had the kind of you know materially we always had what we wanted but interestingly You know, I know now through lots of therapy and healing work that neither of my parents were emotionally available to themselves, which means that they weren't emotionally available to my brother and I. And so what that meant is that um, I always really struggled with my relationship with myself. But I was really lucky because when I was 22, my family exploded in quite a dramatic way. And I I don't share the specifics um, out of respect for, you know, my family, but it was very dramatic. You know, what happened individually to my mum, my dad and my brother. And I felt like I was the kind of last one standing. But it was the best thing 
that could have happened to me because it meant that I had I couldn't function basically I was suicidal and I couldn't I couldn't carry on so I was a, I was so lucky because I found a recovery group called Al-Anon which is for friends and families of addicts and that really kind of was my first step into healing and it's then kind of fragmented off into probably done hundreds of different healing modalities you know over the last how many years yeah so I was eight or nine years into my recovery I call it getting myself back to my true self before I put all these childhood coping mechanisms you know when we're children we adapt in order to fit into our environment so I learned to be perfectionist I learned to people please I learned to quiet my power I learned all these things, not by kind of being taught them, but just by adaptations, by watching. Like children don't learn by what's said to them. Okay. My mum never said, my dad never said, we only love you when you're perfect. They, of course they never said that, but I was watching and absorbing energies and that's what I made up. Okay. So children up to the age of seven are in a different brainwave, which basically means that everything's about them. So when dad comes home in a bad mood, it's about me. That's because I did that wrong. So if I can do that right, then I'll get the love that I need because children just want love. So, I mean, I could talk about this for hours, but that's not really about the story. But just to say that my recovery was about kind of unpeeling and unlearning all of these childhood coping tools. And that is a huge journey. That is still daily for me. And then I got married and we started talking about starting a family and the fear was like nothing I'd ever really experienced because I knew so much at that point about generational trauma. And I was like, I'm not sure that I've done enough work here. I was so scared because I so wanted to be that character in my lineage that changed the direction, you know, my, I come from a dynasty of dysfunction. There is suicide, there is addiction, there is divorce, there is all of it, you know, and I wanted to not pass that on. I was petrified and we were in couples counseling to try and figure it all out. And at the time I was really into an American author called Gabby Bernstein, who I'm sure you both know. Whenever those American authors came to London, I would always go and see them. You know, I've seen pretty much anyone like if that ilk you know for years I'd been doing that so she came to London and I came and at the end of the talk she said I'm going to lead you through a kundalini meditation you can ask a question as we do this meditation and you will get the answer and I obviously knew which question I had to ask which was am I ready to have a baby like should I have this baby she sang the meditation which I'm going to play you and um I asked the question the whole time I was like just saying should I should I should I and I was walking home stood on the platform of the tube at South Kensington where the talk had been and I felt my stomach expand as if I was pregnant mm, that's very interesting and so I thought okay that's my answer and I was petrified but I had enough trust in that way of life that that was my answer so I was pregnant within probably three weeks two weeks whatever really quick six weeks later so I was six weeks pregnant at this point we went to Mexico on holiday we were in a place called Tulum which is beautiful and we went to do this yoga class and the yoga teacher didn't show up 
and there was only like five of us in the class and the owner said the, the next teacher is going to be like 45 minutes so you're welcome to wait or we'll refund you so guy and i were like well we don't have anything to do we're on holiday we'll just wait so it was only him and i that waited and the teacher showed up and she was all in white and i was like hmm, that's weird because i'd never done a kundalini class she started and she said so i'm going to teach kundalini and i was like oh cool i'm about to do my first kundalini class and she did it and it was amazing and she she sang and she had all these instruments with her and it was it was incredible and um at the end she came up to me she said god i felt you were really connected to that class do you do you do the practice i said no it's the first time but i've read about it and i then i told her about this talk i said actually i've been really thinking about doing my yoga teacher training because i've been doing a lot of hot yoga and a lot of vanessa but I'm actually six weeks pregnant. I think I've told her that at the start of the class. And she said, well, one of my friends um, did her training, pregnancy training whilst she was pregnant. So I was like, that's what I should do. I'll train as a pregnancy teacher while I'm pregnant. And then the next thought that came into my head was, Gabby Bernstein always talked about this teacher called Gumuk. And my next thought was, I wonder if that woman does pregnancy training. That was my first kundalini class and my second thought was oh i should go and train as a kundalini i didn't even know like it was just mad mad so i went back to the hotel and i googled it turns out she's like a pioneer of pregnancy yoga she was actually the first ever to bring this idea of doing yoga when you're pregnant to the west she has this big kind of training called Kulsa Way, which was in LA. So I said to Guy, as I was researching, I'm going to have to go to LA. What do you reckon? And he was like, oh, I don't know. You're kind of pregnant. I'm not sure if that's a good idea. And I said, oh, hang on a minute. For the first time ever, she'd been doing this 50 years. She's like 80. She was doing it in Europe. So I was like, this is incredible. Like, you know, that experience where you, every step, just the doors opening, the doors opening, the doors opening. So I was like, I've got to book this. Booked it straight away. So then a few months later, I found myself on an island off Sweden. There was 40 women from around the world. And there was three of us pregnant. The other 37 were already Kundalini teachers, were midwives, doulas. And it turns out that this training I found myself on was like for many of those people, like the pinnacle, what they'd been working up to their whole kind of career. And I'd just fallen into it. I didn't even know that you had to wear white. So I just had to borrow everyone's white clothes because I didn't pack any white clothes because I'd never done Kundalini. <laughs> and this training changed my life. I was so afraid of birth. I was so afraid of becoming a mother, you know, doing 10 hours a day of Kundalini with Gurmukh, who is otherworldly. She's unbelievable. I've never connected with a teacher like it. She would sit with me and just, the way that she revered the pregnant woman was just made me revere and respect myself. It was called a pregnancy training, yoga training. It wasn't really that at all. It was a conscious birth and parenting course. That's what it was. You know, we talked endlessly about the first three years of a child's life, endlessly about the need for women to rise up, endlessly about the importance of the mother. And so I kind of came back a different person. You know, we're very lucky that Guy's parents are quite wealthy and they were going to pay for us to have Jesse privately at the Portland. Told them to cancel that. Booked the hippiest midwives and doulas I could find and had an empowering, beautiful home birth. And 
carried on doing Kundalini every day. And I knew, I knew that my life would be different from that point. Mm. Yeah. And so I was in the early throes of motherhood, which was incredibly challenging um, because despite all that work, all my old stuff came up, you know, all my control, all my fear, all my comparison all came up. And so I was looking for people talking about that online. I was looking for a podcast. I was looking for uh, someone to follow on Instagram. I was looking for a workshop. Like I'd spent the last eight years going to workshops and talks about self-development, spirituality, that, that, that was my life. And I became a mother and I was like, why is everyone now just talking about drinking wine? What gin is best to get pissed on at the end of the day? Cause it's so hard. Well, I was sober. I was like, this, none of this talks to me. All this stuff is coming up in me to heal. And I can see how this little being is calling me to grow. And I'm following all these people that I loved, you know, Marion Williamson, Gabby Bernstein, a lot of them American meditation teachers, spirituality teachers, recovery teachers, but none of them were talking about it with a motherhood lens. And I was ranting to a friend, Lucy Sheridan, who happens to be a coach about it. And she said, you know, when you feel angry that something doesn't exist, it's an opportunity to create it. And I said, but I don't want to, like, it's not me. I just don't want to. And she was just incredible. We ended up working together and she coached me to start what became Motherkind. But it came from a place of, I just couldn't believe, I just couldn't believe it didn't exist. I couldn't believe it didn't exist. I was like, this is the biggest thing, that transformation that a woman goes through and all the content even being served to me about transformation at that time, totally missed it out. So I was like, I think I could bring this to the masses. I think that there are tons of mums that need to hear this message. And I reckon that I've got some ways that can make motherhood feel transformational. Not let's get drunk because it's really hard. I agree it's really hard, but I don't think drinking is the solution. I felt quite angry about that for a long time, that drinking thing. I was going to do a blog because that's really safe. And uh, Lucy went, uh, do, do mums have lots of time to read blogs? She goes, and mummy blogger like how does that feel and I was like oh I want to be sick so <laughs> maybe a different medium and I said you know interesting I said I've always dreamt that I would have my own radio show when I was a kid so and at the time I was listening to a lot of American podcasts like Rich Roll who's this American recovery kind of teacher and I loved him and Tim Ferriss and sometimes as a joke on a long car journey I would interview Guy just as like fun <laughs> And I told her that and she was like, what? She's like, you interview someone for fun? Like, yeah, it's just great fun. It's just silly, like it just passes the hours. And she's like, well, maybe you should consider a podcast. And at the time, this was four and a half years ago. No, four years ago. Podcasts weren't what they are now. Like they were only done by kind of celebrities or really big people. You didn't just start a podcast. But I made a deal with myself that I would record six, not put them out record six and then um if I felt like they were you know slightly interesting I would put them out and at the time I was really into Marianne Williamson I'd been to LA to see her talk and I just emailed her this brilliant email at the time I thought it was crap of course explaining you know how I felt like the content aimed at mothers was at best surface at worst offensive 
it totally missed out the opportunity for transformation. There was no intersection between motherhood, personal development and spirituality as I could see it in the UK. And I thought that mothers deserved a better conversation. It was a really good email. And somehow it got to her and she agreed to be my first guest. Looking back on it now, that was difficult because the conversation was hard. The episode was controversial and I was nervous. But what it did was it taught me that I had never had the experience of feeling passionate about something that I was working on. You know, I was my last job was selling home insurance. Like I felt zero passion for that. It taught me that when you come from a place of passion, people meet you there. My next episode was with Gamak, of course. I recorded these six episodes, one with Lucy Sheridan, who had supported me. So it's like my really close people, apart from Marianne. Uh, the six episodes and then I just thought well I've done them now and I kind of have to put it out because they've given their time so I just put it out and I didn't think anything of it I really did not think that anyone would listen I did not think I would still be doing it three years later I just was driven by a personal desire to change narrative and um yeah, what happened was remarkable because other people were also craving that narrative. So then the hundreds started listening and then thousands started listening. It's nearly a million downloads now. Wow. Um, and then I had already trained as a coach when I was at Hiscox, actually, at the insurance company, looking for an out. So people started saying, we cannot believe how articulate you are about your experiences, about your healing, about your recovery, about your childhood and how it's impacting on you as a mother and how you want to change the generational dynamics. Would you coach me? So I was like, OK. So I went and did like another kind of little training to refresh and um, I started coaching. And then what happened was these mothers were like having these transformations you don't know that you're going to be good at something until you try it. Um, but I just gave my heart to those women and they were telling me that I'd changed their life. And still, when I read the testimonials, I can't quite believe they're talking about me. And then more and more just kept coming. And then the Telegraph did a double page spread about me and Motherkind. That was, you know, how it started. That was all within the first year. But I think what is interesting when you tell a story like that is is for me to keep remembering how it started which was just connecting to truth when we listen to ourselves and decide it's a decision to block out the noise and the shoulds and to take the really brave step of listening to that whisper you know like that whisper that told me to go to that talk that whisper that told me to book onto you know that none of those things made sense on paper so I think the the real kind of story is about when you decide to tap into your truth things will unfold in a way that you couldn't ever imagine you can't imagine how it's going to unfold because it's magic it's also continual work you know the healing work that I do outside of mother kind you know my other full-time job is my own healing because I'm very damaged. I'm really damaged from having emotionally unavailable parents. I will be recovering from that for the rest of my life. And my primary motivation is so that, you know, I can be the best parent that I can, I can be. And I can, I can be imperfect, totally imperfect, but that I'm conscious enough of what has happened to me 
and what I hope might be a different experience for my girls you know sometimes people say oh you must have it so sorted because I think you can it's so easy to compare to someone and the, the truth is so far from that because I often say new level new devil you know and every time Jessie gets older what happens is that I get flooded with memories of when I was that age and then a whole new layer of healing comes up mm. constant and no one talks about it stuff that hasn't been healed will eventually come to the surface whether it's early motherhood or at some other point in your life it will it will come to the surface and I think what motherkind has done so brilliantly is it has changed the narrative for people and it has given people more awareness of of these issues and like you said it is that intersection of motherhood the personal development the spirituality and I think it is really needed um and even like Ruth and I would say lots of the fierce hearts club stuff kind of came around from similar motivation feeling it can't be just me that's thinking this it can't be just me that's that's thinking you know there's more to life than talking about nappies and sleep routines like there's something so much bigger here that idea of hang on where do I fit into all of this you know so yeah I focus on my kids and I you know try and be the perfect parent for them but actually where's the space for me who even am I now on this journey of motherhood Young said the greatest burden a child has to carry is an unlived life of a parent. So we think that parenting is about giving to our children. It's absolutely not. I put myself above my kids because they will learn about life through how I am. Children model how we are. So if they see a parent coping with the stresses of life through numbing, which is what addiction is, whatever that might look like, drinking food shopping gambling at work anything they will just learn that it's like a blueprint it's like language like if you speak english in your house your children are going to speak english so the real kind of question is what emotional language do you speak in your house yeah yeah we have to use words because that's the kind of shortcut to communication but really energy leads you know, in, in my house, my mum said all the right words, but I picked up on her energy, which was of unhappiness and fear and numbing. She didn't know how to handle her emotions. That was what I blueprinted. That's what I learned. Now, I've been really lucky because I've had the opportunity to unlearn some of that stuff. She didn't have that until she was much, much, much older. I found it really fascinating when you were talking and um, talking about doing your first Kundalini session, the, the meditation with Gabby Bernstein. And she said, you know, you ask your question and you'll get the answer. I found it really, really fascinating that it was your body that gave you the answer. It wasn't yeah. your head, you know, just talking about embodiment and actually being and how, how somehow that meditation gave you access and gave your body full access to your whole self somehow. It's so often the way, isn't it? Because that's like the first thing that happens is when we go into survival mode, we disconnect from our body and then we go into our head. And yet that's something like birth is like sort of the ultimate expression, isn't it? Of, you know, your body completely takes over in a way that we're not used to in our lives or that we're not hugely aware of. It's like, <laughs> hang on, <laughs> whatever you think. It's the ultimate surrender. Zoe, do you want to play your piece of music? So this, this is the meditation that kicked off my 
motherhood journey it's a song so kundalini is a type of yoga although it's not like yoga you would ever have seen they say that actually kundalini is the original yoga so kundalini is is an energy it's based on the chakras it's an energy at the base of your spine my experience of it is it's unbelievably powerful gurmukh who's the teacher that i talked to you about she says you can do like 10 years psychotherapy and a year of doing daily kundalini um, because it's as we were talking about it's so embodied you do re- lots of repetitive moves to access different parts of your body and your consciousness and so you might do a meditation holding your hands um, in a certain mudra in a certain way and you might be moving that energy back and forth typically for 21 minutes you'll do one move so it's really physically intense and then you might sing a chant or a meditation i never know what the words mean i learned them when i was training but i totally forgot all that so i just connect with the energy of the words um so this should me to play it this is this is the one that we we played at that talk that i went to <laughs> tracks 13 minutes so i won't play all of it (laughs) oh it's so good you've got to get into it ruth it's amazing yeah yeah i clearly have (laughs) but when you're when you're ready because the first time i did a kundalini class was about nine years ago and i just remember being like oh my god what was that experience that was so weird and it didn't really kind of affect my consciousness at all i just didn't didn't get it and i didn't connect with it and i was like huh and then when i did it about six months ago like oh my gosh the physical the visceral physical energy I could feel it was like after everything happened with postnatal depression it's like I had this stagnant pool of energy in the bottom of my feet and then I did this exercise for seven minutes of breath of fire and like I could feel it go like in a perfect line of my body I was like oh my gosh so it's incredible Just to close off then, I had a couple of questions. First is, what is making you smile right now? Oh, Rose, who's my eight month old. She's learned to wave. <laughs> and she just waves all day like this. <laughs> it's just absolutely brilliant. Like this morning I came in to get her and she was just like waving. She just waves. It's just, it just every time makes me smile. She's so cute. Oh, that's nuts. Um, what would you tell the 16-year-old Zoe? It's a tricky one, this, because I do believe that things happen as they are meant. I think I'd just let her be. If I'd have got my healing any earlier or changed who that girl was, then I wouldn't have met Guy, I wouldn't have had my girls, I wouldn't, you know, so I think I'd probably just watch her. I might beam some extra love down to her, but I would probably just let her hit her bottom exactly when she needed to knowing that you know she would be caught and the final question what is inspiring you right now oh so much um i love this is us have you watched it no oh my god so and i just finished it 
last night, the night before. It's really about generational dynamics and generational trauma, which is why I love it. So it's about a central family, but everyone that kind of bolts on into their life. And it goes, one episode, you might see the parents as children, and then you might see them as older parents and them as grandparents. It's like up and down the years. And I find it really inspiring. Every time I watch that show, it connects me back to what's really important in life. Um, perfect. Thank you, Zoe. That's so lovely to hear your story. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Oh, and don't forget, we have the first season of our Fierce Hearts Club online speaker event starting in the autumn. Woo! Um, yay! <laughs> What's the first one? Yeah. So, our very first one is on Wednesday, the 16th of September at 8 pm. UK time, where we are being joined by Hilary McBride, who is a therapist, a researcher, a writer, and the subject of this workshop is body image and learning to love yourself as you are, which I think is something we all really need. And why are we doing it, Rian? What are we doing it for? So we are doing this to raise money for the charity Together Rising. So you may know this as something which Glennon Doyle has co-founded. So the charity is called Together Rising and it's a grassroots charity, raises money for all kinds of fantastic causes all over the world. Um, we've both been super inspired by Glennon Doyle and Abby and yeah the work they do is incredible so we wanted to, to raise money for that brilliant charity so all the money that uh, are, come from ticket sales will go towards Together Rising and the great work they do so we hope to see you at the event on the 16th of September online at eight o'clock. You can buy tickets on Eventbrite and check out our website which is fierceheartsclub.com and you will see all the information you need to buy tickets for this fantastic event.